Welcome to Paint Radio with your hosts, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. Yeah, Paint Radio. I'm Andrew. Emily, how are you? I'm doing a-okay. You know, before, again, as I call it, the before times, before the current times, which are known as the before times, we were all excited about this contest for a new theme song to Paint Radio. And we have one tremendous entry from Chad Lyons, where he rhymes my name with a word that I don't think lives up to the grandeur of who I am. But it's still a very catchy ditty, as you would call it, Emily. Are we still hoping to get entries? Or do we just not have time for such frivolity in these challenging times? You know, this might be a time if you're stuck at home on the weekends or at night. It might be a good time to write a song for paint radio, I think. Pick up the mouth harp. I know you are quite fond of the mouth harp. And uh, Google that if you don't know what it is. It's it's a wonderful instrument. It really is. It's family friendly. It's all, all good. instruments are family friendly. <laughs> you know, some people's humor level is so quick to go blue, as my father would say. You just never know when you throw out the phrase mouth harp. You just don't know what you're going to get back. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> By the way, that's the voice of Danny Kerr, who we will get to momentarily. There is nothing frivolous about Danny Kerr because he's Canadian, by golly. First, two things I want to mention. One, APC is doing a weekly survey, an APC COVID survey, where we're asking you, the painting contractors, to take a very quick, I don't know, eight, nine questions Talk about the impact that you're seeing, where you're seeing work, where you're seeing work falling off, what you're doing to improve your business, that type of stuff. It's very easy, but man, it's a wonderfully effective survey so that we can report every week what's going on in the industry. It's a huge help. As I say, it helps us help you. So please. If I can throw in just a quick word is that APC has been around for a while and we did our 95th anniversary issue last year. And weirdly, looking back on it now, we talked about all the things that the industry has survived. So we have lots of surveys as going through the Great Depression and World War II and being able to look back on that information so much later is very interesting. So you're helping not only our generation, but the generations to come. APC survived my hiring in 1994. It's absolutely tremendous. So go to paintmag.com, fill out the survey. And also one other thing, we want to hear your good news, right? Everybody says we're getting through this together. And that is absolutely so true. We're learning via group suffering, right? But we also want to hear the good stuff. So if you're working on your business, if you're working on social media, you're working on yourself, you're playing guitar, you're losing weight, you're exercising, whatever. You're learning how to play a game you've never played with your kids. Anything you're doing that is upbeat and positive, helping the environment, helping your community, donating PPE to a local hospital, whatever it is, we want to hear about it. And this is how you can do it. We've set up a website where you can record your message. Go to anchor.fm slash paint radio and you'll see a button there. You click it, it says leave a message and you can record your message. You can tell us as much or as little. It can be anonymous. You can go first name, last initial. You can say, hey, I'm Emily Howard and I broke my foot skiing. That'd be pretty funny and it'd probably be true. But we want to hear your good news. Anchor.fm slash paint radio, leave a message. Right, Emily? Anything you want to add to that? No, no, you did a nice job. I did. I really did. I really did a good job on that. Now, speaking of a good job, let's get to our guest, Danny Kerr. He is certainly not new to Paint Radio. You've heard him many times from Breakthrough Academy. Danny, how are you? 
I am as good as you can be when you hang out in quarantine for a month. <laughs> Doing pretty good considering. We should point out we're recording this on what used to be known as tax day, April 15th. Well, at least it's tax day in the United States. Danny is in Canada. You don't pay taxes in Canada, do you? I think it's almost the opposite. I think all we do is pay taxes. Oh, okay. I think we're just, yeah. <laughs> we don't pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. It's about time you did. So Breakthrough Academy, btacademy.com is the website. If you're not familiar with them, they're coaches, they're consultants. They work with contractors, especially painting contractors, build a better business implement their vision, have a more defined vision, and they're certainly earning their money now. Danny, before we really dive in, you're frontline, you're embedded in the mess, let's say it that way. So what are you at Breakthrough Academy hearing from contractors, whether it's what their struggles are or where they're finding success or the type of psyche that you're seeing or hearing from the contractors who seem to be holding up? What nuggets and tidbits could you share with us? It's it's interesting. So we have 300 of them, and they're all over the United States and Canada. And what is apparently very true is how much everyone is in a very different reality right now. I don't know if there is one blanket statement where I can say everyone is experiencing just this one thing. And it comes down to two things. One, it comes down to obviously the, the lockdowns and the repercussions of what this virus has done to their state and reactions to those things. And the other thing comes down to this, their own personal perception and their own personal opinion of what they feel is going on around them, right? Everything from this is just a little flu that we'll get over hopefully pretty quick here and to this is, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and this is all over. So and everything in between. So we've seen and heard all things and also seen and heard what's going on out there as far as, you know, the government regulations that have been put down on us. So I think if anything, the way we're working with everyone now right now is a very individualistic approach and depending on where they're at from their cash flow positions where they're at with their company where they're at with the state they're in we're trying to help each individual kind of navigate accordingly but yeah i don't know if there is a general thing me and my wife sat on the couch a couple of weeks ago and we were astonished even ourselves with our friend group we we're just like it just feels like we're all living in two realities or three realities right now and just hopping between them right so interesting times i'll say that that's for sure classic <laughs> canadian understatement <laughs> oh, everything's great there, eh? You know, we just go get some salmon down by the river there, and we're just fine, eh? <laughs> Put some maple syrup on it, it's great. <laughs> oh, man. Considering that there are multiple realities that people are facing, we've kind of laid out five different scenarios, and I think what we want to do is go over what some options are, because like you just said, you're taking a very individualistic approach. There's no one perfect answer for everybody. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that you can consider and think about way out to figure out how you're going to navigate the next few months and who knows how long after that. So Danny, where I want to kick it off is in the areas that are hit hardest probably by this, the areas where they've been completely shut down. So painting is considered a non-essential business. They have been told that everybody has to go home. They need to close up shop. The end, you are not allowed to work. What should business owners be thinking about? What are their options? What do you spend this time doing? What are some thoughts and options for them? There's probably surprisingly a large amount of things to do. What I would say everyone should be doing right now, regardless, is really getting a hold of their cash flow situation. So it's going to be very clear and apparent to those who are in complete lockdown, because if there is no money coming in and there is only money going out, that can only last for so long, right? And I'm sure a lot of us have started to look through, okay, what does this month look like? What does next month look like? And start to build out, I would hope, at least a basic cash flow plan. But 
doing a month to month projection on what things are and where you're at with revenue and where you're at with expenses is good for anybody in any position, even in good times, right? And in the phase of we are not able to work, I would be actively looking at where you can secure cash, whether it's from government incentives or deferrals. And uh, we can go through some of those in a little bit, but there is opportunity to still bring in something to help stimulate the organization that you have. But once that's dealt with, and it is what it is, there's a big old list of things you can do to work on the company itself, right? If you think about the last 12 years, especially the last six or seven years, we've been in this like Indy 500 race, just like burning through this circle, trying to maintain annually our businesses and go, 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 with very little time to actually have a pit stop and actually slow down, replace the tires, put on some new brakes, get new oil put in and get our machine to be more robust for when things do get back to normal. And if there's one big resounding message we have with our people right now is if you're in a position where things are that slow, absolutely. It's time to work on your tech stack, integrate things properly, get out your goal sheets and start to work on how you track and monitor progress, build out an org structure that makes sense for when you're out of this, get your job descriptions put together, put in an estimating platform so everyone knows how to estimate uniformly there's a ton of things you could do. We have a list of 71 of them, <laughs> but the projects that you can put yourself into that can help you when you move out of this are going to be one of the most valuable things you could spend time doing when there is nothing else to do. I think a lot about right now, how many units of energy are going into the business. At Breakthrough Academy, we have a team of 25 and you just said it earlier, we got to run for our money right now. We are working hard. We are <laughs> all putting in 12 hour days, if not more than that. And it's A, to help the clientele we're working with and really help make sure we support them effectively. And on the inside side of the business, it's to build out all these things that we have spent years talking about, but never fully integrated because we're just moving too fast. And now's the time to do that. What about employees? In a scenario like this, where you've got to close down, people have to go home. Can we talk about the difference between layoffs and furloughs and firings? And just basically, what are your options there? The biggest one we've been focused on is just understanding almost like the term of what this would look like, but it's essentially like really focus on this one big one, which is temporary layoffs. I think a lot of people are like, hey, you're laid off. See you later. You can't afford to have you. You know, best of luck. That's a very destructive approach. And I think for a lot of us, we need to think through a couple things. One, Who's the skilled talent that if we're going into this storm and we're not completely on lockdown, we can still operate a little bit. Who are the A players that I need on my team right now that I do not want to lay off? So instead of just taking a big knife and slashing it all, just saying, who are the people that I can afford to keep around to help me weather this storm? And who's the battle team I need on the front lines with me? For those you've decided where, hey, we need to make some layoffs, I really do think that it's an important conversation to really express to them, hey, this is a temporary layoff as of right now. We obviously don't know how long this is going to last and we don't know what comes next but as of right now we know that we want to have you around in the long term and so we're going to do a temporary layoff here's a package right we're giving a lot of people basically like a layoff package that they can bring to their team to help them know where to go next how to get assistance and basically essentially how to move forward so that they can still support their family and they still know what's available to them and they ultimately know that this is kind of like a layoff for now this is not a permanent thing for some people that might not be fully true and they might have some people on their team where they they need to make permanent layoffs and that's totally appropriate and okay but we're really approaching our team saying, as a contractor, your business, as much as it might be about painting, is a lot more about your ability to find and develop great people, like your people business. How well your people are and how they perform in the organization is essentially how good you're going to perform for everything you do. Our coaches came up with some good ideas, some stuff we're putting into our membership right now, but we're just saying, look, simple things. If you lay somebody off, why don't you send them an Uber Eats package once a week to give them dinner for them and their family and just shoot them a phone call once every two weeks and just say, hey, we're still here. And you're still, you know, in my mind on the team, regardless of what's going on. Yeah, I think that sounds good because we've actually heard of a lot of contractors out there on the flip side of this who are actually hiring. 
and Mm -hmm. finding that they are able to put themselves in a more competitive position for when this is done. If you do have to do layoffs, you don't, man, you don't want to lose those people. I was looking at that stat. I'm sure a lot of us have seen this now. Have you guys seen that chart that shows like the uh, unemployment claims in the United States for the last like 50 years? No, I I haven't. I think I've seen that. Uh -uh. Google it. It's mind blowing. You'll see this small graph with this up and down tick as we go through different recessions and different times through history. And then you'll see this spike that literally goes completely off the charts at 6.6 million unemployment claims in the end of March is the last time I saw that metric. I didn't look at it recently, but 6.6 million United States unemployment claims in weeks. It is unprecedented. It is completely unseen in the history of any record keeping they've ever had. And it's very interesting when you look at that and see the opportunity that lies within that, where you realize there's 6.6 million people that are available right now that you've never been able to have access to that are probably a lot of them really good people. What are we going to do about that? Right. And I think about recruiting and hiring is almost two different things. Recruiting is the process of finding talent, interviewing talent, screening talent, the process of moving people towards a hiring decision. The actual hiring happens afterwards. And I think as long as you're upfront about it, you can put it in your ads if you would like that, hey, we're not hiring today, but we are starting our application process right now to start to look at potential um, candidates. That is a very healthy thing to do because you're going to get unique people applying to you that you never would have in the past. And anybody that's out there sitting on the sidelines is going to be eagerly looking at what is available. Even if it's not starting tomorrow, they'll still be open and ready to chat with you. I mentioned the survey that we're doing at APC, trying to get an idea from contractors what the status of their company is and what capacity they're working. Obviously, there is no one number you can toss out to define what's going on among your clients. But generally speaking, are you hearing a lot of companies have shut down completely? Are the majority of them operating at 100%? Are they at around 70? What are you hearing? Yeah, obviously there is certain states where they are deemed a non-essential service, and that's when it's kind of game over. The only thing I would say to that is, are there things that you can pivot to that are considered essential services? That'd be the only opportunity that I've really seen in that state. And then there's a lot of other states that have quarantines and different shutdowns. And there's also just the general public's kind of unsure, right? They don't know fully how to approach all of this. And for a lot of them, new sales, depending on what industry or area they're in, new sales have dropped. We're finding that maintenance and any kind of upkeep type services are not being as affected, but any kind of new builds or basically things that are kind of more nice to have than needs are being affected a little more. But that can vastly depend on commercial versus residential and so on. One other thing we're noticing is specifically in, say, like government buildings or any office buildings that have some sort of maintenance schedule that they need to upkeep, they have an open office right now where there's nobody in there. And they have a unique opportunity to get all this work done that they've had on their schedule to do and they have the budget to do it. And they're looking for people to do those things. So there is still opportunities out there as long as you're not on complete shutdown. And you just kind of not know how to pivot your services or pivot your network to be able to find those. I mean, everyone will be in a different version of that. But ultimately, problem solving. I think one of the true traits of an entrepreneur is their ability to problem solve themselves through things. I've always asked myself, if I don't know how to do something, I don't approach it ignorantly and just tell people I can. I also don't just give up and say I can't. I ask this really important question, which is, how can I? If I had to, how could we? And it forces problem solving to look forward to what we have. So or look forward to what we could do. I like that. That's a good way of thinking about it. So one other question that I have about people who are forced into shutdown, we're all aware of SBA loans out there, various grants, the PPP, but there's a lot of questions surrounding risk in those scenarios, especially scenarios in which you either have no work or very little work mm-hmm. and how you should weigh the risk of taking cash out during a time like this. 
it goes back to the thing I was mentioning before, but knowing how to project your cash flow is huge. We can live in times where it's like, okay, we're good this month, we're good next month, and not really look at the future. I would really encourage everybody to run at least a three to six month out cash flow projection and be pretty real and raw about an A, B, and even a C scenario, right? A scenario is things are not great, but based on what we're seeing right now, we'll continue operations and be okay. B is things are pretty bad, and what can we bear while maintaining most of our overhead? And then C is it's Armageddon and we have a year or two of this ahead of us and it's going to be a very ugly picture and what are the decisions we need to make? And when you start to run those three cash flow projections, you're going to write below those things, different action steps that need to happen. Seal those off in an envelope, forget about them for the next week or two. And as things come up, as this evolves for all of us, open up the envelope that's most apparent to what's going on and start following the direction that you set up for yourself. Because it's emotional. There's a lot of emotion come out of it. And you have to kind of do it kind of open-minded and then close it and then come back to it and listen to your own directions. That's very interesting. Well, let's kind of move on to the next possible situation, which is you still can work. So painting or certain portions of painting are still considered an essential business, but the calls have significantly slowed down. What would you say is the difference between the scenario that we were just discussing and that one and how you should tackle things differently? In any downturn, the phone's going to stop ringing right? It happened in 2008. It'll happen now. There's certain universal truths that are true in any economic downturn. And for a lot of us, we've been fairly used to an economy that coin is fat and happy. We get what we need and we got a lot of it. And for the most part, up till this happened, the main thing I heard from people was I got more work coming at me than we can handle. So I can only imagine what that meant for the way that they go out there and pursue lead gen. We put signs out, we put flyers out, we spend a bit on Google AdWords, and it would just keep getting more work. Right now, you need to make the phone ring. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to reach out to your network. There's a lot of ways to do that. Everything from just doing cold calling, if you can respect the do not call list. But I would say there's a lot more opportunity in calling through previous customers that you've worked with, seeing how they're doing, seeing if there's any projects or maintenance things you could take care of with them. Also, just literally asking for referrals. I think there's opportunities in calling through all previous estimates and leads you've ever generated in the organization. Again, just seeing if there's anything you do to help them or maintain their property. And then I think there's also opportunity in any kind of industry connections you have. People that work in the same industry, whether it's be builders, other painting companies, people that work in a similar marketplace with your ideal client and just see where you guys can get involved, not only just to get work from them, but to help each other develop together. Those are the low-hanging fruit things that I think involves you picking up the phone making a list of your close connections and starting to call through people, but you won't know there's any opportunity there until you call them because they probably won't call you, right? People right now are, I think, are scared and they're very unsure. And when they're feeling that way, they don't think, I need to paint my house right now, right? right. (laughs) (laughs) But they might need it done. I noticed in 2008, people shifted from what do I want to get done to what do I need to get done? And what did that mean? Well, I wasn't painting as many big pink stucco homes anymore, but I was painting their trim because that was rotting and that was causing issues. And I was taking care of what people needed more often than I was taking care of just what they wanted. I think it's interesting that we're in a recession, as we hear many economists talk about. We're in a recession driven by a very unusual impetus. It's the financial numbers. Some people thought we were running too hot and the economy was ripe for a correction, if not a recession. But that's not exactly what happened, right? We have this crazy (laughs) coronavirus. It's a very different thing. And so- There are obviously plenty of people out there who have lost their jobs who are hurting financially. But there are also people who are just in this weird pause mode. And I think you're 100% correct. They're worried and they're unsettled and they're cautious. You never know. Getting a call from a business who you're not blindly acting as if it's business as usual, but it's, hey, just want to call, check in. We're still working. 
If you've got any needs, I'd love to talk to you about it. That could really be very calming, frankly, to a homeowner or to a customer. You never know. It could have quite a positive effect. I'll say this too. So when this first kicked off, I called my lawn care guy and got him to trim all my hedges and give me a spring cleanup. I called my guy to help me fix my fence. So I actually had wind damage on my fence from last year that I just didn't do anything with. And I'm like, yeah, my dog's outside a lot. My kids are outside a lot. I need to get this thing fixed. That's not lopsided. And I called to get my gutters cleaned. Two reasons. One, I'm quarantined here. I want to take care of this home now more than ever. And I'm now thinking about how much time our family's spending here. And I want to make sure it's a good, safe, functional place. And two, to be honest, I was a little afraid of lockdowns. And I was like, I need to get this done before things lock down because I don't want to be the one stuck doing it. And as spring cleaning comes, time is of the essence. So there is some very valid conversations that you can have with people as you make those calls. And Danny, it was very nice of you not to mention me by name, but don't worry. You're on my list. I'm going to get to your gutters. I'm hoping this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, it's all done now. It's all done now. (laughs) Danny, do you guys have any recommendations? I think we heard this a couple of weeks ago, you know, talking about areas where you can safely get out and work, but there might be some economic concerns among your customers. Are you guys making any recommendations as far as payment plans or something to make the sale a little bit more palatable, maybe ease the economic burden on the customers and be able to get the work done now so that when everything opens up, you don't have the capacity to do all the work that is piling up, but you're collecting on all of that work. Any thoughts around that? There are certain programs where customers can apply for financing and they're actually built for contracting companies. I don't unfortunately have the names on my the back of my head here, but especially in the roofing industry, actually working a lot with them right now. And there are programs that are literally set up to enable people to finance getting a new roof. And I would imagine, and I'd have to look a little more into it for you guys, but I imagine there are services that would do that in general for contracting, if not the same services that are doing it for the roofing industry. And getting it connected with a company that can basically allow you to offer that as an option would be huge for a time like this. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about that, the financing. What about booking jobs for when things lighten up? deposits, and scheduling. Do you all have any advice on how logistically to tackle that monster? I don't know how everyone organizes their schedules and whatnot, but I've always, just as a standard, taken a 10% deposit and scheduled them into a calendar where I have every crew rowed out so I can see when I can actually fit people. One thing we used to do, this is not so much to this specific scenario, but we used to basically try and book our interior work in the fall and offer people a little bit of like a a discount on basically saying, hey, we won't do it for you this summer, but if we can do it in the fall, we'll give you whatever it is, the tax off or something like that. And that would incentivize people enough to front load our production schedule for the summer season so we could do a bunch of our exterior work and then give us a better runway in our off season to have a bunch of work laid up and ready to go for us. And so a similar concept could be applied to something like this, where you essentially say, hey, when we're out of lockdown or when the XYZ date happens, we can give you XYZ discount, whether it be taxes off or whatever, by booking now and getting ahead. And ultimately from there, maybe I always collected a 10% deposit as a standard. It's just kind of held the job. What it also does actually, a lot of people don't realize this, but you right now, if you're funding all the jobs of all your clients and you're paying for the materials up front, maybe even it's a multi-week job, you're paying out payroll. It is very important to take standard deposits, even just for your own business, to make sure that you're not doling out your cash reserves to produce these jobs, that you've got the customer's money to use to be able to start the job itself. Danny, one thing you mentioned early on was one thing that you could do is if you've got downtime, here's an opportunity to work on elements of your business that you've been unable or you've been avoiding perhaps for years. What's the intelligent way to approach that? So do you just pick one topic and attack that or you try to work on three things at once? What's your advice there? 
we have a whole program where that's what we do. We we <laughs> we essentially have a bit of a runway. So we always start with the numbers. So you start and you sit down and you project out okay, a bit of a budget, a bit of a sales and a production plan, and you break out roughly how many leads and estimates and dollars you need to book and how many jobs you need to produce this year and how many rough hours your staff needs to work to be able to have that happen. And then you go and you say, okay, well, now that I know some of the numbers, let's go figure out how many people and who I need to do this. And we get everyone to build an org structure. So organizational structure is often overlooked. People just say, he's a painter, he's a project manager, she's in the office or he's in the office. Like it's not thought through very well. So take those numbers and start to think through, I've got this team here. What numbers should I give them so that they can actually deliver an ROI for our company? You know, if this project manager is producing 800K a year for us right now, and I need them to produce 1.3 million to be able to give us a clear ROI on their overhead salary, maybe I should give them that as a goal, right? And think through from your numbers, what goals can you give to what people on your team to help drive them and give them some semblance of like you, you know, everyone gets it. Every employee gets it right now. They're like, hey, am I on the chopping block? Am I still worth it? It's like, well, let's answer that question together and let's give you a goal that we can work towards where you can provide an ROI. And giving people goals right now would be a very unique thing to do. I think in light of uncertainty, trying to give some level of, here's what we're trying to go for. Here's a bit of your piece of the pie to do that. Can you help us get there? And it's, it is uncertain enough times that even with my team, I'm not trying to set big lofty goals, but something simple, something simple that they can achieve, that they can feel accomplished by, and that I know that they're pointing in the right direction for. So that's a good start. And then from there, there's all kinds of projects, figuring out your estimating system and making sure that you have a way to teach someone how to estimate and it's standardized is a cool thing to sit down and do. Working on your tech stack and thinking through, hey, I've got the CRM system, I've got QuickBooks, I've got all these random things, and we're doing all these manual inputs to try and keep everything updated. Look through something called Zapier. It actually integrates a lot of uh, CRM systems. Plus, there's just natural what we call APIs where that can happen. Sit down with some of your providers and start to work on those things. There's a big list of stuff. I probably can't go through it all. But I would say is know your numbers, know how to break your numbers down to your team and give them some semblance of goal setting so you can kind of help them with performance as you move into this. Well, and I think Andrew and I can probably both speak to this too. The goal setting is really important when you have a remote work staff. We at APC have always been remote and it's not about if you show up every day, it's about what you get done. And I can relate. You talk about the tech stack. I have a huge stack of video games and I have been going through those <laughs> dutifully. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, so one other scenario we wanted to go through was people who want to self-quarantine. So whether or not you have employees who either have kids at home, you have employees who um, may have some underlying health issues that they're concerned about, they want to be at home. How do you recommend that people manage a staff that may be kind of coming and going regardless of whether or not work is coming in. This is more just a, a, like a values principle that I live by, but it, something I was taught a long time ago by my coach, who's actually now my business partner, which is cool, but he just keeps saying to me, Danny, do the right thing. Okay, he doesn't give me the answer. He just says like, do the right thing. I'm like, right. It's and the, the, the right thing, yeah, the worst. <laughs> the right thing often is the harder decision to make. And for those who have core values already established in your company, it, it's a little easier, but just go look at your even your personal core values and say, when we're out of this and the dust is settled, am I going to be super proud of the way I navigated this or am I going to be a little bit ashamed? All right. What does that mean? Well, am I going to be exposing my staff to risk when they were scared and they let me know when I pushed them anyways? Am I going to be basically make, trying to make short-term wins and not worrying about the long-term? Look at the long-term game because we're going to come out of this eventually. And I want nothing more than for people to be like, that guy led us and did the right thing the whole way through. And that's more important long-term than just trying to get a job produced in the short-term circumstances that we're in. 
Is there anything logistical? I guess one other thing that I'm wondering is if you do have to have people out of the office, if you've got a crew that's, you know, maybe they were in close contact with COVID-19, they have to go home and they can't work for two weeks, but oh my God, you know, these jobs still have to get done. Right. Are there any opportunities for working with your neighbors or, or maybe that's your opportunity when you're doing a little bit of hiring? Is it even relevant? Are you seeing anybody that's going through something like that? We have some members who have staff that are infected right now, for sure. And it's causing some chaos in their organizational structure and how things get done day to day. The biggest thing we're working them through is just to stay the course, to do the right thing, not to overreact, not to forcefully you know, make their staff go do something short term. And I think it is causing a little bit of strain on the companies. I have some owners that are running around like madmen right now trying to cover other people's positions that aren't available. I'm sure they all, ultimately through all of that, you could find some, some contracting teams that were willing to take it on or you could put out an ad and find a few painters to take on the job if need be. But net net, I think it's more important to realize like we're going to get through this. And I worry sometimes when people overthink that kind of stuff and then try and go to great lengths to get a job painted at the risk of something that could be much more dire. Yeah, my message on this is more higher level than I, I don't have okay. a specific strategy on it. It's more just okay. my thoughts are just, yeah, beyond do the right thing. Like, like we all have values and how we operate every day. And when it feels like you're going against those values to achieve a goal, it's never going to last. That's not going to be a long-term play that's going to be good for you. And people have to just really use their minds to problem solve always these situations. Subcontractors, absolutely. Maybe hiring another crew to help you with these things, but also just realizing, hey, I don't want to overdo this here because we could get somebody sick, somebody could pass away or their grandparents could pass away. And that is a much bigger deal than this game we play called business. And it is. There's a huge human responsibility out there to think beyond yourself. You know, you have to think about all the people you touch and the, and the people they touch. And it, it is it's important to have your ethics in mind through all this. Any last bit advice, any scenarios that we haven't talked about today or advice on loans or anything of that nature that you want to give out to the listeners? There's a lot of resources. There's a lot of help out there. I think that the government realizes and understands the ramifications that this is going to have on our economy. And although it be a little uncertain and a lot of us can be a little fearful of it, we also have to just trust that we're going to get through this. And this, whether it be caused by a virus or not, this economic highs and lows that we go through, they happen every five to 10 years. And so take this time right now to exercise this unworked muscle called getting through a recession with your organization to learn from it. Learning how to think dynamically, learning how to adjust your financials, learning how to work with your people in a different way, learning how to use technology, learning how to be a better leader. There's so many things that will make us better. It'll give us that kind of rhino skin that maybe a lot of us have been missing or or not having for the last 12 years. And we will get through this. And when we do, things will kick back up and we'll all celebrate. But let's not forget that this will happen, maybe not this specifically, but a recession or a downturn will happen again in five to 10 years from now. And if we don't understand how to navigate these things effectively and we disregard how to play the long game, I guess you'd say, then we will have a short-lived career as entrepreneurs. And most of us are very unemployable people. So (laughs) it is in our best interest (laughs) to learn how to navigate this stuff effectively. And to play this long game, we need to think through how do we get to the other side. A lot of this is coming down to our ability to maintain our cash uh, position and be able to be on the other side with a bit of money to be able to start this back up properly and bring on the right people and, and maintain as much of the team as we can, whether they're on the sidelines or on the front lines with us, that they're ready to jump back in with this, when this lifts. Because I do think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand from this. I know for me, I have lots of projects that I would like to and should get done. Some of them, especially on the interior of my home, are going to have to wait. But as soon as this lifts, I've still got money to do all these projects. The upper middle class and the upper class of our society isn't money-stricken. Not right now anyways. And we have enough bolstering us that we'll be fine. Work will still need to move forward. And construction is one of those things that is going to 
kind of kick back up once this thing of quarantine kind of comes to the end. That's why he's a uh, repeat guest on Paint Radio, Danny Kerr of Breakthrough Academy. At btacademy.com, Danny, what can people find there, even if they're not yet customers of Breakthrough Academy? Lots of information on different podcasts and webinars and things that we've done. There is one very specific thing, and I'll have to figure out how do we get this through to everybody. I know we might be putting this into some of your guys' uh, media outlets, but essentially we've built a coronavirus leadership playbook, and it essentially will walk everyone through how to build their cash flow projections properly, give them lots of different options on how to bolster their cash reserves, um, all the updated government incentives and things that are available for them and their team, and really just give them some direction on how to navigate this thing effectively. So that's free. We've been trying to give that out to as many people as possible. And our focus right now is let's try and keep as many business owners in business, move through this effectively, and we got to get through this together. we got to come through as a community. And that's kind of the general tone that we're taking on all this. So if we can give you guys that resource and get it out through your channels, let's do it. BTacademy.com. Excellent stuff. Of course, don't forget about paintmag.com. Go there, fill out our APC COVID survey. And lastly, good news. We want to hear from you. Go to anchor.fm slash paint radio. Click leave a message. And do that. Leave us a message, something good that you're doing, that you're involved in, any aspect of your life, and it can be anonymous. We want to hear about it. And to repeat the key phrases of this podcast, Danny said, rhino skin. I said, mouth harp. Emily, I can't recall what colorful phrase you said. I have no gems here. I remember when you were like, good Lord, Andrew, that is so wise. Thank you for being part of my life. I think that that's the key phrase from Emily. You dreamt that. <laughs> Play it back. I heard it. Jerry, your post-production, if you could work that in, that'd be great. Everybody, keep working hard. Find people like Danny Kerr in your life. Find resources. Lean on them. Check in with each other. Call a contractor. Email a contractor. Let's help each other out. Check us out at paintmag.com. Thanks for listening to Paint Radio. <laughs>